Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, April 28th, 2014. During this week in history, in 1933, singer, songwriter, activist, Willie Nelson was born. Dude, happy birthday. All the federalists say they could have had him any day. We only let him slip away. Out of kindness, I suppose. To start the show off, we're headed to London to talk to Alex about his new project, Dragon Bone Dice. Hi, my name's Alex. I'm a student from the UK, and these are Dragon Bones, my metal designer gaming dice. Dragon Bones are precision CNC machined, laser engraved metal gaming dice. They will be primarily made out of aluminium anodized in various colors. How's it going, Alex? Hello. You have that radio voice anyway. I'm sure everybody's told you and all. Yeah, I did an interview for the local BBC radio. I went on, this was when I was 16, and I was like, hey, I'm Alex, I'm 16, and loads of people didn't believe I was 16. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Yeah, you got that Johnny Gill voice. Like, hey, 16, he sounds like he's in the four tops or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I'm always happy to support you, man, Alex, period. You're my favorite college student. Oh, my... thank you. <laughs> now you have this cool project on Kickstarter, Dragon Bones, Metal Designer Gaming Dice, and there's just an infinite amount of gaming dice and card paraphernalia on Kickstarter, so you chose well, man. You always use your brain, man, and that's what I like about you. You're squirrely, man. Last time I did a Kickstarter, it didn't go according to plan, obviously. I think I dove too far in the deep end. Like, there's so many board games out there. But these companies, they have, like, eight people working together, and they've been working on it for years and that sort of thing. So I thought, well, I can't do a board game, but I still love board games, so why not do something that's a bit more accessible to everyone and do something unique? That's why I started with the £170 goal, and Ooh. now we're nearing 3500 and it's just crazy. How does it feel to be successful, man? That's what I need to ask you, man, because you we have alluded to you, you know, your first one was a little unfortunate. Yeah, no. And so how does it feel on the flip side? It's like you put so much effort into Kickstarter and it didn't work and now you've done it again and it's actually paid back this time. It's like it's faith in the system of Kickstarter. I know you're close to your dad and your mom and they're punching you around at times. Do this, do that. Young businessman, entrepreneur. You're on BBC at age 16 and all of that. And so that's a lot of pressure, man. So apparently you haven't peaked already because I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking 16, Johnny Gill voice and all of that. You know, Motown's finest. I'm thinking you peaked at 16, but you're proving me wrong. You're proving that you still have gusto. At the end of the Kickstarter is actually my birthday, so I'll be turning 18. So oh, I can prove to you then, after two years, that I've matured and made a better man of myself. And you endeavor to be a better man, better than your father, all the rest of the jazz. <laughs> oh, yeah, I won't tell him that one. Maybe he won't listen to this podcast. Let's put it that way. I think he's already asked me to email him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure your father's fine because from the story that you told me last time, let's let's not act like everything's an inside joke. He and I know each other so well that we're not oh, telling yeah. a proper story. Last time he was here, he told me how his father 
backed his goals, who, who was always in his corner ever since he was younger and encouraged him to pursue his entrepreneurial endeavors. And I, I'm not leaving your mom out. I'm, I'm just, just telling the story that I think you told me. No, I think you've got it right. My dad is the uh, kind of business support, whereas my mom's just the emotional support. Do you have a stable life? I mean, is this going well, this Kickstarter crowdfunding trajectory, now that it's the second time around? Yeah, it's all stable. I'm still keeping up with school and everything with exams around the corner. And like Kickstarter just keeps me grounded in a way. It keeps me, it's like something that's always positive in the day. So if I'm ever feeling a bit down, you just click onto Kickstarter and suddenly there's all these people who love you and what you're doing. So <laughs> what gets better than that, really? How are your grades, son? I'm an A-grade student. I'll put it that way. DJ Grandpa is proud of you, son. Thank you, Grandpa. Thank you. Yes, you're handling your grades. You have your entrepreneur. Man, it's like you're a mini-me, man, except for more <laughs> successful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. Usually on these type of um, dice, you know, because I'm not talking enough about the product. His yeah, dice, his dragon bone dice, very cool title, nice dragon logo. A lot of times they add more accessories to sweeten the pot, like special chips and stuff like that. Are you thinking about that or anything? I've already got the uh, stretch goal so you can add a dice bag onto your add-on, which is always good to have a nice dice bag. They're quite nice. But I want to keep it nice and simple for my first one just so I can get it done. I can get the orders done the first time. I can prove to people that I can do it because I don't want to suddenly do all these add-ons and then not be able to deliver on time. Uh, yeah. That's always an issue with Kickstarter. Isn't it? Yeah, that'd be the kiss of death. And, and, yeah. then, and then after I've said you were a young me and all, then it's taken me down the hill and <laughs> stuff too. Okay, well, what about this? Tell me about the dice. You know, what makes your dice special, young man? Here's the shark tank, I guess. What makes you special? <laughs> well, I've always loved board games and RPGs and all of these sort of things. And if you look down to it, the key part that makes all these games work is the dice. So why would you purchase dice in the cheapest material possible, which is plastic? So I thought, well, let's get them made in metal. And make, getting them made in metal gives them more character. It gives them more feel. It's an investment. They're no longer just an object. They're now a tool and an asset. Right. It's that sort of emotional connection to the game. For example, when I was playing D&D with my friends, my friend was in the arms of a bear about to be mauled, which oh, sounds yeah. a bit violent. That's but never good. The suspense on it was on the dice roll. So why would the dice roll be the cheapest thing on the board? So what I wanted to do was take that ideology and put it into metal dice and give them a really nice design that wasn't too cluttered so that if it rolled across the table, you could still read it. It's what I want to make it so you're more immersive into the experience. So that's why I've offered fantasy designs, sci-fi designs, historic designs, gear punk or steampunk designs, just so everyone can do it for whatever board game they want. I tried to give you a hard time and you got all logical on me, all sobering. Yeah, I made notes this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you weren't going to let me get the upper hand no, on you this time. Not this time, no. <laughs> okay, that's why you have an AGPA. <laughs> 4.0 Alex or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I listened to two of your podcasts right before this because I, I wanted to get a feel for it again. Oh. And I was like, he, he likes to ask those slightly sideways questions, so I'll be ready for them. But for anyone out there, 
Alex is a very cool young man, and he has the GPA to prove it, and he's out there working a day job. How many hats does he have to wear? Hawking stuff on Kickstarter, going to school, keeping an A average, he says. Let's not get too close into the details, but go check out Dragon Bones Metal Designer Game Dice. And if you can't find links to him on Kickstarter, maybe it's difficult or something because there might be a lot of dice, which there are. You can always go to djgrandpa.com where we don't have a lot of dice. We have Alex's dice. And that's it. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me again. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, man. No, we don't have a lot of dice. We only have Alex's dice. Only his. No one else. Oh, I thought that was good. Thanks, man. We're rolling, man. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib. I got Dave and I got Rob. They're both out of Maryland. I might be moving there soon. (laughs) 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 So we may become neighbors. Nice. Yeah, man. Welcome to the crib. Thank you. Thanks for having us. They got a cooperative board game, and I love cooperative board games because they seem a little ruthless to me. It's called a gnome. It's on Kickstarter. You should check them out. See for yourself. It seems to be a dystopic world. Every man and woman and child for themselves. And that's probably not how the saying's supposed to go. It's supposed to be cooperative, so working together. Not every man and woman and child for themselves, but uh. <laughs> so I got the story wrong then. Uh, a little bit. Point me in the right direction. What is this game about? Yeah, it's a one to six player. Who am I talking to? Uh, this is Rob. Okay, one to six player cooperative game. Post-apocalyptic world. Everybody flees to the underground after a nuclear war. You're some of the last survivors down there, and uh, you're running out of supplies. So you got to go out and try and get supplies back to your base, keep them alive. And Dave, do you agree <laughs> or disagree? Did he explain it well, or do you have something to add? Oh, I agree. I was going with it's, it's most of the men, women, and children for themselves. But you do have a small group that you're tight with that you're kind of trying to help each other out. So it is a little ruthless. Well, the world is ruthless. Well, the game itself is ruthless, but hopefully your friends are helping you out. I hear that you've tested this game for like three years. So I'm assuming if both of you tested this game rigorously, three years, you've gotten all the bugs out and it must be fun by now. Because if you've done a game for three years and it's not fun... Man, that would make me sad. It <laughs> <laughs> would make me sad, too. Yeah, really, it would be a waste of three years. <laughs> so is this game any fun? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. How? Even after three years, we still sit down and still have a good time. So We spent a lot of time working on it to make sure that it changes every time you play. So that, you know, even after three years, it's never the same game. Tell DJ Grandpa's story of gameplay and stuff like some of the coolest things or craziest things people have done with the game? Well, Rob likes to kill my wife, accidentally. <laughs> oh, what the, what the, what that's, is... He tends to do it quite often. Mm. So it's cooperative, but every once in a while. <laughs> is that a Freudian moment? You kill off dude's wife? <laughs> <laughs> it's not on purpose. It just happens to happen here and there. So, uh... 
Is she like Yoko Ono? She broke up the band or something? <laughs> no, I have no problem with his wife. Just happens to... I don't know, man. You're that way sometimes. I don't know. Your voice was cracking a little bit, and you're a grown man, so I'm thinking Freudian, man. I'm thinking Freudian. Yeah. I don't know if I would believe me either, so... Uh... <laughs> Does she do anything to get revenge? Like, let's say you killed her off one night. <laughs> the weekend is still young. You gotta play again. What would be a predictable move for her to do? She's always nice. She doesn't try and get revenge yet. I'm sure at some point. All right. Well, any other stories? Any other people you guys you guys got an axe to grind with that you might take out in the game? I mean, the biggest axe to grind is with the game because it, it, it tends to be a jerk sometimes. Oh, but yeah. you got to keep exploring to feed the base. And usually when you explore, bad things happen. You guys definitely seem like fun. So tell me about the game. Well, everybody starts out at your base. And um, every turn, the people that you're leaving in base, all your friends and buddies, so what you got to do is explore tiles out from the base, hopefully find some resources so that you can bring them back and feed your friends, and also ammo for ranged attacks and stuff like that to deal with all of the other stuff that you explore while you're trying to find good stuff. But what about like radiation and stuff like that if you're talking about a nuclear fallout? Well, right now you're underground. So in the future, we have plans of putting radiation and fun stuff like that in. But right now, you're underground, you've got fires erupting, floods breaking out, gas leaks, some of the interesting things you'd run into under a city. Big, bad, mutated spiders, and we try to put a lot of nasty things in. What sort of elements do you have to help move the game along? How, how long is it? You know, things of that nature. game takes about 45 minutes to a little over an hour and a half, uh, depending on what scenario you're playing. It's a resource game, so you run around grabbing resources to do different things. How you get to those resources is exploring tiles. So you start out on a small base tile, and you explore out and build the map as you go. And you said the game could be your worst enemy, so you have some sort of artificial intelligent, you know, mechanism built into it? Well, since it is cooperative, the game kind of has to be your enemy. Right. And the way we did that is about a third of the tiles that you're going to explore are either environmental hazards of some sort, like floods or fires or just collapsed passages, or actual enemies that you then have to either shoot or trap or close combat and then heal yourself. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you're dealing with most of the time. Meanwhile, you have to keep bringing that food back to base to keep everybody fed and trying to complete whatever your mission is for that game. You know, since you guys are so close to DC, if there ever was like a nuclear war or something, you'd probably, not you, but we, since I'm so close to DC too, we You're even go closer. <laughs> yeah, you're not painting a really cool outlook for me. <laughs> no, not for any of us. <laughs> Why'd you choose the name Unknown for the game? I was trying to figure that one out. The basic premise of the game is that you've got your base camp and you know what's there, but now that you're running out of food and supplies and you have to go out into these tunnels, you don't know what's out there. That's that's all unknown. And what you're going to find is really unknown. You guys have painted a horrifying picture, man. Oh, good. That's, that's what we were trying to do. Oh, you were? Our game's not nice. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I got you. Yeah, we got all sorts of cool monsters and stuff. As we said, it's cooperative, so the game really has to be your adversary. So we wanted to make a very mean game that you wanted to team up and take on. Have you gone to any cons? Because I hear sometimes you go to cons and it's kind of like a proof of test 
that you know if people come to your booth and they play your game or whatever and, and just the activity around your booth have you done any of that yeah we just got back from uh pax east a couple of weeks ago oh the big one it was amazing we got a little worried about I guess about 20, 20 minutes after the show opened on the first day, there was nobody at our booth, and we were getting kind of worried. And then another 20 minutes went by, and it was entirely full. We had four games running, demos, for the entire weekend, pretty much. Wow. It was an experience. What'd they say? We got great feedback. Did anyone just storm off and kick the table over, you know, throw stuff around? Like, the game just, just had it, you know, they just <laughs> had it. They got killed off, and... You know, kind of like one of your wives or something like that. Well, that's the great part about cooperative. Even when that happened, they could at least commiserate with their friends around the table because they just all got killed, too. Dave and Robert, they're out of Maryland. I want you to go check them out on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it on Kickstarter, remember, it's just unknown. The word unknown. You'll find it. It'll come up easily. And I will have links at djgrandpa.com for these two gentlemen. And they've been a lot of fun. Thank you guys very much for giving DJ Grant Pod chance. Yeah, thank you very much. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel, and we cover the globe. Hello, and welcome to beautiful Boulder, Colorado. I'm Nick, this is Jeff. I encourage you to uh, keep reading, check out our instructional video at the bottom, and even print and play the game, and see what you think about Raid. The only way we can make this game a reality is with your support, so please spread the word. If you feel so inclined, pledge. We'll have a game out to you this summer. And this is Raid, Raid the Pirate's Plunder. The Boulder Board Gaming Company, very foundational type name. About a day or two before you contacted us, I was on your website thinking about, you know, if I should contact you or not for an interview, and then a couple of days later you contact me, and I was like, oh, that means I must do it, you know? Black Bart is the king of the Caribbean seas. Everyone, of course, knows that. But the merchant ships keep coming. This budding business of piracy is an opportunity you can't pass up. And so, you've chosen to sign on with the legend, Black Bart. I am 22, and Nick over there is just turned 20. Yep. He's still in school, in college, and I just graduated last May. So it's just kind of something that we do for, for fun, you know? We want to make some board games that people will enjoy and bring people together. And we used to sit around and do board game nights and Jordan would come over to me and Jeff's place and we just kind of got bored one day with the games we had and wanted to make something awesome, exciting and new. Okay, we should talk about how do you play this game. It's all about moving your pirate from hextile to hextile right. to chase after that merchant ship, commandeer it, and then bring it back to Black Bart's Cove. Once you bring it back to Black Bart's Cove, that's how you convert it into cash. And once you trade it in for cash, use that cash to buy resource cards, or hold on to it at the end of the game once all the merchant ships have been commandeered and returned by however many different pirates there are playing. Once all the merchant ships are gone, the game ends and pirate with the most amount of money wins. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And like the the other thing about that capturing merchant ships and bringing them back to Blackbird's Cove is that you can kind of determine how long the game is based on how many ships you play with. You know, so if you need a 20-minute filler game, you can just play with five ships and play with the most gold at the end of the game wins. And if you want to play with a longer game, you know, you can make it last up to, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, even longer if you can get your hands on more ships or, or whatever, you know. So it can really be as long or as short as you want it to be. And then obviously the, the guard out there yeah. where after each turn you roll the dice and then the numbers on each edge of the hex tile determine the direction corresponding with that dice roll where the where the Navy travels and... Obviously, if you're out there on the on the seas and you have a ship and the Navy lands on you, then 
you're busted, turn in all your bounty and return back to port and start again. I see more of these modular board games coming up now. I don't believe I saw that as much last year. You know, it seemed to be the more traditional type of board game, meaning the board just, you know, come uh, split, but it essentially comes into one just piece. Like yours is like hex or octagonal or whatever, and the pieces fit together. Is that the trend this year? And then a couple of hit games and kind of like game of the year and really big sellers that have had that modular style. And so in recent years, people haven't really considered it possible. They haven't really seen like, Oh, if I actually make a hex tile game, it can actually be a top seller. Right. And recently it's been proved that is possible. And so everyone's jumped mm-hmm. on it. How long has this game been like, you guys been working on it, like play testing, idea conception, you know, things of that nature. We came up with this idea probably back in September And it's now April, so what is that, seven, eight months, something like that? Now, what would Jeff say if he were here? (laughs) No, no, it's an odd question, but he's the odd man out, and I don't want to talk about him behind his back. I think Jeff would say we've been working on this game since the beginning. Yeah, I know he's had a journal where every time he comes up with a game idea, he writes down what he wants to see, and I think a game like this was in his journal since, since we started Boulder Board Games. And when did you guys start? February 2013. How many people can play this game? Because I know you said it's optional. You can build how many ships, whatever, whatever. But I I didn't exactly get to that question. How many people can play? For two to four players is the base game. And if you want, since it's so modular of a game, you can take two copies and put it together and combine two sets of 24 hex tiles and play an eight-player game or anything like that. I can't imagine a boring pirate, but I have to ask. You got any examples of how this game is any fun? Have you ever seen anybody just lose it or they just, they fall over with joy because your game somehow brought them, you know, it was like the moment of their day or something. <laughs> Back in December, I was playtesting a game with a couple of friends in my apartment and that last merchant ship, every game is highly sought after. <laughs> it, it has to change hands yep. four or five times before it finally gets brought back in. That last merchant ship is always it always ruins a friendship. <laughs> now that's a test of a game if, if you lose friends over it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Only temporarily. <laughs> right, right, right. We don't, we don't want it to go, period. But, but if they get miffed, if they get ticked off, everybody wants to win, but everybody can't win. You know, everybody wants to be the person to just la, 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 jump up and down, I won. But everybody can't be that person. And I know you're supposed to have sportsmanship and all of that. But sometimes you just want to pummel the opponent. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, uh, this is Jordan. I got to say, I try not to play this game with my girlfriend. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not a very good relationship building game. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. (laughs) But it's definitely fun and enjoyable. We took this base game and made it, we simplified it as much as we could to make it really family and really very easy to access for a lot of different types of players out there of all different levels. And then we've kind of brought in this combat expansion where as you go out and capture merchant ships, you also gain access to weapons. We have different types of swords, guns, cannons, a Kraken talisman where you can use the squid on the map to take out your opponents. And so we've brought in this really cool combat expansion to add just another extra layer of complexity and give the game more depth should the players want it. And so I think it's a really cool, interesting way to add a lot more excitement to that combat element. And for anyone out there driving by Kickstarter or you're in the Colorado area, check out Raid, R-A-I-D, Pirates Plunder. And it's by the Boulder Board Gaming Company, which I 
kind of like to say that say it that way. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to see the people who are first time Kickstarters because I mean because you have so many repeat offenders. You know, I mean, for lack of a better phrase. And if you can't find them there on Kickstarter, always go to djgrandpa.com and we'll have links for these three gentlemen and the Boulder Board Gaming Company. Dudes, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. I'd like to welcome you guys to DJ Grandpa's favorite part of the show, the elevator pitch. And this is my first one of the year. I didn't, I, man, it's been a while since any hooligans have gotten into my building. Should I say DJ Grandpa Towers? I don't know what to say. But anyway, it's my building that I'm going to have as much fun as I can. I'd like to welcome Jim and Barry to the show. Dudes, welcome. Hey, DJ Grandpa, this is Jim here. It's so great to be here. Great. Do you know what an elevator pitch is? I always have to ask that first because I don't want to take anybody off guard. We know what it is to fight for an idea, so we are very well in tune with an elevator speech. I'm only on for a couple of floors, so what is your project about? So we're all into giving greeting cards at Christmas time and birthdays and anniversaries and congratulations on your baby. And we all run out to the store and we buy these cards and we read through them and we, you know, sign our names and we give them to the recipient and they glance down, they read the card and they throw it away. But everybody does it on Facebook now. What would make your greeting card so special though? Jim here again. Nobody makes something that's as universal as this. We wanted a plant stamp to be able to be attached to a greeting card, a package, a bottle of wine, and you know, anything that you want to give as a gift. So for me, I wanted to extend that gift giving memory by putting a sticker inside that card that had seeds in it called a plant stamp. With a plant stamp, you simply peel it off the card soak it in water for one minute that wakes up the seeds and plant it. And from that, you'll get beautiful flowers growing in your yard or your windowsill. And these plants come back year after year. So oh. your yard almost becomes a trophy shelf of your accomplishments. And you're saying this project is green. Why would you even call it a green project? Oh, this is Barry. It doesn't get much greener than this when you have seeds you know, embedded in a sticker that grow into a plant. You can really imagine this is great for the kids too as well because not only can a grandma put this plant stamp onto a kid's greeting card, now kids you know, can plant this and turn it into a plant and really learn how things grow, but you can imagine teachers also putting these stickers on homework papers. Do you have any industry experience, anything like that to, to help out your case? We put our nickels and dimes together and we rented a booth space at the National Stationery Show in New York last year. And, you know, like the song goes, we loaded up the truck and we moved to Beverly, you know, we built ourselves a display. We didn't put uh, a carpet down on the floor. We brought AstroTurf with us, you know, <laughs> and and we put ourselves out there and we heard from people who own stationery stores and Hallmark stores. And we heard from educators. We heard from the Girl Scouts, realtors. Everybody immediately saw the magic in plant stamps. And DJ, we even built a flower machine that raised these paper mache flowers 13 feet into the air. We had the only moving display, I think, in the whole stationery show. Wow. 
So we really got strong feedback from people other than family and friends because oh, yeah. they'll always say it's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm not trusting you on that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we came back supercharged with, hey, you know, people love this idea. It's up to us to find a way to make this happen. Do you have a, a Kickstarter page or something I could check out? You can go to the kickstarter.com and search plant stamps, okay. two words. And it'll come right up. All right. First of all, we think it's a great product, but we're right. also trying to do something that's made entirely in the USA. We have a uh, you know a team that we've always worked with number of the last five years, a team of physically challenged people, and this was just a great product for them to work on. And also, it's a very green product, and it really helps kids. For anyone out there on Kickstarter, go check them out. Plant stamps and. I got, I got a split, man. But next time, man, let's do this through proper channels, sneaking in the building, man. I don't know how you got in, who you paid off, what you had to do to get here. But apparently you guys are ruthless and shrewd. I guess I have to respect that, though, man. But but thank you very much. And I, I got to go, okay? Okay, DJ Grandpa. It certainly has been a pleasure talking to you this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Love I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. 